All right, gentlemen, are we ready? Ready, sir! Reporting in. Hoorah! Internet and welcome to another episode of Geek Anthology. I am your host, Neil Cordray, and I am joined this week by Sergeant One True Ben. And, and nothing clever to say, Mike. So, Ben, you were in, you were in the Air Force. What was it? Did, did you make Sergeant? Uh, no, I made uh, Senior Airman, which was basically uh, the non commission the non non commissioned version of uh, Sergeant E four. Where nice. I got out. Yeah, that was the there highest rank I achieved in the Air Force. I sounds like people are playing Battleship when they give their military rank. Oh. <laughs> it doesn't really make you. It's E4. You shanked my right. Jenga ship. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, all every every because um, every uh, every service, yeah, every group of service has different. Uh, like where I was as an you know as an E4 would have been like a corporal or a sergeant in the army but it would have been like a Lance Corporal with a Marine Corps and it would have been like Seaman First Class uh, or Chief, you know, or, uh, right. or Petty Officer. In, in Navy. Petty officer, so, officer, or officer or regular Petty Officer? <laughs> uh, petty Officer, because Chief Petty Officer, uh, yeah. The takeaway is the Chief military petty officer loves is like when uh, you get a, adjectives. They love adjectives. Mm-hmm. Well, they love, they love acronyms. structure. Mm-hmm. The, the military loves structure. Um, so, because you got like your first three ranks are you know the lower enlisted the uh, like the next three ranks are your uh you know first uh first step in nco non-commissioned officers mm-hmm. and then your next three ranks are senior non-commissioned and then with you know with uh, officers if you talk to the enlisted you know every rank is just you know a different version of asshole a different level of asshole so different you, level you know, of someone who has to salute you <laughs> someone you have to salute yes well, I mean, yeah. if you're the officer, people have to salute you, typically. Correct. Yes. Right. Yeah. Different level of how much of an asshole you can be. Someday, Ben, I should tell you the story about my, how my grandfather uh, made Bird Colonel uh, when he was, in, was when he was in World War II, but I don't think that's really a podcast story. Um, <laughs> he was he 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 was a dentist in the army, and uh, so he was automatically an officer. But before the end of uh, World War II, he actually made it to full Bird. So. Ah. Yeah. Yeah, medical types get get promoted a lot more easily, but they don't make as much uh, command rank. Yeah, yeah, so. that's true. But uh, anyhow, it's a story I should tell you at some point. But like, it, it's not like not it, it would it would be it would be the probably the entire podcast maybe I don't know or at least a good chunk of it. Right? <laughs> so it's a good It'd story, a but... <laughs> right? Ah, so shout outs, what we got. I got I got a, I got a couple things, but uh, I like to go last okay. on this. All right. Well, all I got I've been watching um, Avatar: The Last Airbender on Netflix. Very good show. Uh, yeah, watching the first season, and then uh, I've also been watching Warrior Nun. I don't know that one. Yeah, it's based off of Warrior Nun Ariella, uh, which is a uh, graphic novel, um, and it basically t- picks it up from the next generation from there. Oh yeah, I remember seeing this on. I remember seeing this like show up in my random Netflix feed, and I was like, "Huh, okay." Um, yeah. Maybe. Right. There are so many so. things that are on my maybe watch it list 
Yeah. Right. Also, for so. uh, for for anyone um, un, unclear, it's none as in religious none, not the amount none. It's in right. the title. <laughs> Interestingly enough, when I tried to Google search for it, that was what I thought it was going. That I I typed none n u n, which I don't know why I did actually. That like okay. Well, that's that was correct n u n. Hooray. So also watched Hamilton this last week. I, I feel like we maybe just should do an episode on Hamilton. It's that damn good. Well, also it's uh, apparently two and a half hours long, so there's plenty of uh, <laughs> plenty of stuff. Plenty, to yeah. Stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that'll definitely be yeah. a future episode, most stuff. It's uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and pick up, even though I like to go last. Like I I watched uh, I watched Hamilton as well, and that's kind of my big thing. Like the seven ninety nine for Disney Plus is worth it for really like three things. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it justifies the cost with just three things. And there are a lot more things on it. Hamilton, mm-hmm. the Mandalorian mm-hmm. and the 2017 reboot of DuckTales, hmm. okay. which is absolutely fantastic. Full yeah. of incredibly, incredibly witty it's writing. Such a damn well created show. We'll have to do an episode on that as well. <laughs> Right? There's so many great little like throwaway lines, like like Scrooge complaining about Santa Claus, and like he knows what he did. Like there, <laughs> there, the there's fact that it, David Tennant is Scrooge McDuck. He is he is so great as Scrooge too. It, it's just fantastic. Um, yeah, I I highly recommend that. Um, the actual shout out I was going to give, like totally check those out, but that that's corporate shout outs. Um, I like to try and signal boost people that you may not have heard of. And in this particular case, I recommend on YouTube the channel Translator Fails. She has so many more people who pay attention to her than I do, but I'm still going to shout her out. Um, She is a musician who takes music and rams it back and forth through um, Google Translate a bunch until the lyrics are hard to pay, like, are hard to understand. And then she sings them to the tune of the song that was translated. Um, I highly recommend her translation of the opening from Hamilton, um, which is how I ran across her. Uh, her translation of "You're Welcome" from Moana, and um, and her uh, translation of uh, oh geez, what was it called? Uh, "Total Eclipse of the Heart." Oh wow, I can't <laughs> wait to check that one. That'll be fun. <laughs> I mean, that song is already insane. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a great song. If you don't can get me wrong, it. I love it. It's, it's, it's a great fun, song to pull it's out. Dramatic in a fun way. Yeah. <laughs> But like it's already so just out there, just of its own theatrical nature, that mm-hmm. running it through the translator a million times has got to be epic. It, it is, it is excellent because you can kind of see what what the translator was thinking, but only kind of. <laughs> um, she also did a pretty good cover of uh, "Take Me Home, Country." Like pretty much everything she's done is really good. Um, the only one I didn't really enjoy was the translation of "This Is Halloween." Like it was for me, that was very. Huh. Eh? Of the ones that I've watched, like it wasn't bad. It was just like, okay, yeah, this is this is this is okay. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> all right, Mike, what you got? Well, um, it's good I have a couple backup ideas because uh, Ben, you bastard, you took my my initial shout out, which was Avatar: The Last Airbender. I just started watching that. Uh, last night, and um, I'm super addicted to it. It's really good. It's um, so excellent. Yeah, I just I had I had been told like you know in passing or heard in passing on like shows mm-hmm. and people that I followed and watched. They're like, oh, it's a great show, blah blah blah. It's so good. 
And I was just kind of like, I just kind of shrugged because at the time I was focused on something else. Where I'm like, yeah, I'll eventually get to it. And then, um, you know, the convenience of it just dropping on Netflix and being right mm-hmm. there, a tap away. I'm like, all right, well, you know, I don't have anything in particular I really need to watch right now. I'll just play this <laughs> while I'm playing the game. And then I, I started watching it. And I'm like, holy crap, this is like, this is instantly compelling. And the humor is actually really funny, which is so difficult to pull off on a show that is for all ages. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I have to say, like, the fact that it is a show that is, um, it's like, um, it has good action and uh, consistently funny humor and actually actual themes that, um, like, it doesn't treat the audience like they're idiots, which, again, is a rare quality in a show that is aimed at kids, um, or at least aimed mm-hmm. at everyone. Um, so mm-hmm. I just have to applaud it for being so well done in all those respects while still being something that casts such a wide net for an audience. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a show that was on Nickelodeon for crying out loud. Yep. That's why, uh, it's, it's why I like yeah. DuckTales as much too. So much. Yes, yeah, exactly. Avatar is fucking you know, great. Yeah. I, I respect the hell out of DuckTales for, uh, for many of the same reasons I mentioned and more. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the other thing, which this will be apropos since we're doing military video games for tonight, although this is a video game, um, but <laughs> Uh, the Jack Ryan Amazon Prime show is really good. I, I watched the first season recently, and I'm going to probably start the second one pretty soon. I caught a trailer for that on an ad that I couldn't skip because I was watching YouTube on my phone. And I'm like, yeah, I think I'm going to have to watch that. Uh, <laughs> it's really good. And part of it, uh, well, I've I've been, generally speaking, I'm a, I'm a fan of all things Clancy, or at least, you know, at this point, all things with the Clancy name on it, because he has died a while ago. Yep. Uh, and even when he was alive, he it was one of those things where something would come across his desk and it's like hey tom uh we're gonna put your name on this thing you want to you want to sign a check and he's like all right (laughs) which which isn't a slight it's just it's just an observation because like generally speaking like i haven't really come across anything with his name on it that i thought sucked so apparently he does a good job or i should say did a good job of Mm -hmm. you know quality control and consulting and oversight and all that good stuff um but yeah, it's it's a really it's a really good show. Um, I and one thing I will say I will I will applaud it for um, being and this is the great thing about like the age of streaming in general is it it had a arc and a story that it knew exactly what it was doing and it didn't artificially extend it like on some of those Marvel shows where we're all like yeah that should have been a few episodes uh, shorter or whatever. It was like all right, it's an eight like roughly hour long episodes that is paced and plotted very well. It's not something that's like, Oh, well the law says we have to do 10 or 12 or 13 episodes. So we're going to do that and then make it Mm kind of wonky. It's like, no, it just, it just did what it did. And it was really good. Um, So I'm looking forward to uh, seeing if season two holds up. I'm cautiously optimistic, but um, that was really good. And um, now granted, those are both big tentpole things. Those aren't, you know, indie by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I don't have anything that really needs the boosting this time. But Not everyone does, but it's still... Yeah. I, I always try to... I, I personally always try to find something that's a little at least not corporate. Yeah, uh, it, it's going to also just be fun just to kind of, you know, like just kind of search around and just kind of see what you stumble yeah. across. So I'm going to make a point to do that next time. Yeah, but I, I will say one thing that's mm-hmm. not as high profile, but is still like... Um, a thing that you know a subset of people are aware of is the honest trailer videos um, many people are familiar with honest oh, yeah. trailers um, there is uh, which is on the fandom slash screen junkies uh, universe channels um, mm-hmm. also um, some people don't realize they do video games as well they do honest yes. game trailers and some of those are as funny or funnier than the uh, than the than the uh, movie ones especially if you play through the game 
Uh, even if you just played it in passing, you'll get most of the jokes. But if you played like the entirety of the game, especially games that are plot dependent, you know, uh, mm-hmm. it's really funny because they'll have the surface level stuff and they'll have the the deeper stuff. And um, I was recently watching um, the Zelda ones, actually just earlier today, because I've been playing a bunch of Zelda lately. So there's some really funny stuff there. Um, and uh, I, I watched Ocarina of Time, and <laughs> it's like, yeah, they're yeah. Those, those are fantastic. The, the incessant hey listen and like they'll like, they'll like double up the sound effects listen like 50 times and just all sorts of great stuff you should check it out for yourself with just a few minutes for each of those they're really funny. I, I agree I've seen a number of those and they are excellent. I watched the Breath of the Wild one and uh, <laughs> although I'm not anywhere near to being done with that game I was like yep that 100% checks out. <laughs> Uh, his, uh, his, his, what he did for Persona 5 was also very, was very a- accurate, which, uh, which is, that's the most recent one I watched because I've been back into Persona 5 a lot recently. Yeah. Oh, I, one more, one more. Because I bought it a second time. About those. Um, they, they consistently in every single Legend of Zelda game trailer without fail, when they do the thing at the end where they come up with silly names for all the people that are in the movie or the game, they mm-hmm. call Link a Zelda. Every single one. <laughs> Well, you got to, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty great. <sighs> okay, I think I can run down links for all of that since most of it's on Netflix. Um, <laughs> um, all right. Um, got a few ideas for Spoiler of the Week. I think we're just going to go through all of them. That's how we're going to compromise, gentlemen. Um, <laughs> we'll do it all. Yeah, we had something along the lines of uh, the Allies win World War II. Um, mm-hmm. war, war never changes. Something about a tactical nuke that really never fully uh, materialized in what? my head. Tactical nuke incoming. I don't know. Or you're not good enough to you it. to run with the tactical nuke uh, um, kill streak bonus because it's like nuke twenty or something. <laughs> or uh, how about was... Germany totally got screwed by the treating of, by the Treaty of Versailles. <laughs> Well, oh my I God! Did they get screwed by the Treaty of Versailles? Well, mine was Hitler dies at the end. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, probably, um, yeah. One other thing that I want to, uh, um, um, I want to uh, shout out um, was a video that was made three years ago by a gentleman named Bill Wirtz called "The History of the Entire World." I guess it's about twenty minutes long. It's totally, totally excellent. Check, check it out. Um, that's actually kind of where I got Germany got screwed over by the Treaty of Versailles because when he's getting to World War One, he's like, "Hey, World War One's over, and really, pretty much all it's proved is who's going to be on what side in World War Two." <laughs> <laughs> um, anyhow, we're going to talk about military shooter games because apparently we're on a we're on a military slash history kick or something. I don't know. Um, so, uh, the modern military shooter is actually kind of a, like, it's not an entirely new phenomenon, but it wasn't, it, it was a niche thing for a good long while. Um, going back to like the initial, um, Medal of Honor games. Yeah. Well, that uh, was like the original, that was the PlayStation think, uh, 1 era is when that yeah. started. That's when that franchise started. And I think that's, mm-hmm. that's roughly when, um, like, specifically military first-person shooters really took off is around that time because that's mm-hmm. when you started to see like shortly after that you had the um you had the call of duty and battle fi- battlefield franchises mm-hmm. take off and that kind of turbocharged that i mean 
there are already there are, there are always games here and there, and then some of them were like military esque or military adjacent, but weren't directly military. Like Wolfenstein 3D, you know, was like mm-hmm. a fantastical, you know, alternate yeah. history where Hitler's in a mecha suit and all that good stuff. Yep, I mean, yeah, honestly, you're you're right. Really, military shooter goes back to the inception of the genre because Wolfenstein's been a thing forever. And re- and Doom would remember he was a space marine, folks, a marine, mm-hmm. right? I think we I, I think we should probably try to limit this to at least Actual like conflict. I would Actual say well I would say things. terrestrial conflicts. Yes, yes. Um cuz I mean if you want to if you want to extend the metaphor uh John uh John 331 or whatever the hell his name is, Master Chief from Halo oh, is yeah. a Master Chief. Right. Um yeah. Yeah, yeah we're going to keep it to earth, folks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Stay on this planet. <laughs> Sorry, the thing it's, is it's there, gonna, there's sci-fi. It's bother me if I don't look his name sci-fi up. Sci-fi um, and oh yeah, but, I don't know. But anyhow, yeah, it's, something or other. Yeah, I've, I've got to look John it up. John three sixteen is that what you call them? Mm. <laughs> That's the stone cold like biblical verse sign that people held up in the nineties. <laughs> uh, where the hell is it? I know you exist because I've looked you up. I'm gonna. Am I gonna have to go to the Halo wiki? Yeah, I'm gonna have to go to the damn Halo wiki. <laughs> By the way, the Halo Wiki is just so fr- freaking huge. Um, so, um, what do you think? Uh, why don't we kickstart by saying, wh- what do you think your first experience? John 117. John 117. Right. Yep. Okay. Well, what was your so first, my first ex- military video game? Mine was the first Call of Duty. Ah, that's uh, a classic. Way, yeah, way back when it was, you know, you were fighting in World War One. I. I think it, that's Call of Duty, right? No, it was World War Two. World War, uh, yeah, sorry, World War Two. yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, went with that one and then when call of duty 2 came out i was just like mm, okay it's all right but then after you left world war 2 i was uh, started to lose interest in it so. see that's funny because that's exactly when i mean don't get me wrong like the first game is sold a couple games sold like gangbusters but uh call of duty mm-hmm. 4 modern warfare 2007 that's when it really took off that was kind of like that was the final fantasy 7 of that franchise if you will <laughs> yeah right exactly exactly Mo- maybe modern warfare 1 honestly like modern warfare 2 was it's a like, really good game yeah but like if war- mm-hmm. modern warfare 1 hadn't done as well as it had modern warfare 2 wouldn't have uh, wouldn't have like it's at the modern warfare 2 is the one that everyone remembers but it wouldn't have happened if war- if modern warfare 1 hadn't been a really damn solid game too yeah but, so yeah, uh, I remember it was like 2003. The first Call of Duty came out. You guys were like what seven? Um, <laughs> but, yeah, you know. right. <laughs> hey, ben makes his own obligatory Venice old joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I remember doing because growing up for me, World War II was the big war because nobody talked about Vietnam. Uh, because still too, you know, still too soon. Yeah. Um, Even less people talk about the Korean War. There's a reason why it's called the Forgotten War. Right. Except I mean, I don't know. I watched watched a whole hell of a lot of MASH when I was in high school. Yeah. Well, see, MASH was on. It was on right when I got home for an hour, and I liked it. It was funny. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, you know, so the the equipment was right. You know, the um, you know, and you got to got to play with all the you know the allied and German guns, and you had ammo count, which was kind of cool. At least for me. So, and it wasn't side scrolling. Mm-hmm. I have two sort of first military shooter games. The first military shooter game I ever officially played was Medal of Honor Underground at a chess tournament. Somebody brought a PlayStation with one of those little screens on top of it. Uh, I remember those. And instead of practicing chess, we played a bunch of Medal of Honor. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
everyone's taking turns because you could only play it on two screens because you like it was on a tiny little screen and you didn't have you know four play four-way multi-tap so it was two person um and i think we were playing through like a co-op campaign and just kind of handing the controller off but that was that was like late middle school the real first military shooter that i ever really got into was day of defeat Oh yeah, I love Day of Defeat. Uh, specifically, Day of Defeat Source. I didn't play much of Day of Defeat. I played the I played the OG version as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a is a mod of Half Life. Mm-hmm. And Day of Defeat Source was a mod of Half Life too. Um, <laughs> Technically, that is even originally originally in the very early stages, it was called War in Europe for the first like couple betas, and then it became Day of Defeat. I remember playing uh, on the map Avalanche, which is which involves. The Allied forces having to hold the bottom of a hill while the uh, while the uh, the Axis forces try to charge down and take the hill and you know like get down the it, it's in an urban thing. And I remember getting one particular like uh one one particular setup where I there there was a little there was a church bell tower that you could go up to. It was intended as a sniper or machine gun nest. And I went up to that, and then I dropped down onto, I dropped down and took fall damage onto the archway above the door to said church, and set up my my, my machine gun there. And I had just an absolute choke point on the on the two place two points of egress that the axis could come into. Like it was a blind corner, they would have to know I was there and pre-fire while coming around the corner. Even then, I actually had really good cover. Um, I tell this story because it was the only time I've ever played a shooter game wherein I ran out of ammunition. <laughs> yep. And scored like 40 or 45 kills in the intervening time. And every time, and and the problem was getting there was a really finicky setup. Like it was easy to get caught and killed at any point in getting to the thing. So I can, I couldn't get back to that nest the entire rest of that round. Um, but... I remember, yeah, that was a big, uh, those are big components of the, of the game slash mod um, is the uh, actual realistic amount of gear and ammo that you would have. You just have what an average soldier would be carrying. You wouldn't just have mountains of ammo for some reason. Mm-hmm. And you would, um, you would, you would choose your class, which would essentially be choosing, choosing a loadout. So like, you yep. mentioned if you go with the heavy gunner, like you have a little bipod thing you set up and stuff, and then there's uh, a limited amount for good reason, sniper class, and then the standard riflemen and like, you know, gunners that'll have like a submachine gun or whatever. Yep. In between. Right. Yeah, it was, uh, it, was, it was a good game. Um, yeah, that was always a thing was um, it being somewhere in the realm of semi-realistic where you, you had to actually think smart you couldn't just charge out or you get your butt kicked and there is fall damage was a thing friendly fire was a thing limited amount of ammo was a thing etc yeah i had like getting in, getting into that particular perch i had to fall from a belt from the bell tower onto the thing and like it killed it, it half killed me just falling onto the thing but just no one could shoot me once i was there <laughs> so ben when you played call of duty did you just play the single player or did you get into the multiplayer say again cannot hear you Ben was muffled. Ben has left the building. It's a strategic uh, uh, retreat. Yes, like it was. It was okay. as though you talk at your microphone from like twenty feet away. Yeah, and you guys were no. really, really uh, soft too. Um, so when I played it, it was only single player because that was really all that was available. So you're not talking about Call of Duty: Modern Warfare. You're talking about the actual original Call of Duty. The original Call of Duty, right? Exactly. Oh, maybe the first, huh? 
you maybe the first one was just i can't remember if the first one had multiplayer first one maybe it wasn't until the expansion um yep yeah 2003 pc game i think it did Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. this was before this was well before modern warfare um yeah yeah, the first game of the franchise Mm -hmm. and um you know imports um you know mmos were not the thing yet i mean what uh was one um i mean hell uh, RuneQuest or um, not World of Warcraft, RuneScape. but RuneScape. Yeah, but then there was another one. Um, they're just just getting started at that time. RuneScape and probably EverQuest. EverQuest. That's what it was. EverQuest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> someone's played EverQuest. Uh, someone's played that game, or at least was, lost, or at least lost a friend to it. That was like four, uh, five years before Call of Duty came out, though. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it, it was originally it came out. It didn't have a multiplayer, so I was just playing myself, playing you know, playing on my own. Mm-hmm. So well, I know the second <clears throat> one did at the very least. Yeah, but yeah, the first one and the and the um, but yeah, the the funny thing about, that I have noticed about that, I mean, I grew up, you know, I was in the military, you know, I know guns and things like that. Um, I know military weapons because I've you know cracked a lot of books, you know, actually had hands on some of these weapons, things like that. It has made it so it's really surprising. A lot of people know various, even some rare guns like the P, like the what? Uh, who have no experience? The uh, the P90, the FN P90, the gun they saw on Stargate. Yeah, the P90 uh, yeah. after season. Mm-hmm. A lot of people who are not fans of Stargate, not you know, and don't you know, they know that particular weapon from things like Call of Duty or they know you know some of the other strange weapons that I. I think Counter Strike. You know, pop- I'm pretty sure Counter Strike yep. popularized the P90. Yeah. Best yeah. SMG you could buy. Had a 50 round uh, magazine and a uh, mm-hmm. good rate of fire. And unless you, uh, I mean, it wasn't as good as any of the assault rifles because it was firing pistol rounds, but. Armor yeah, it, pistol rounds. It had, it had its drawbacks. Like well, yeah. time and the game didn't really activity. take that into consideration. I was surprisingly good with the UMP in that game. Like, I could talk about Counter Strike. Do we want to consider Counter Strike a military shooter? I don't know. I, eh, I excluded it since it's yeah. just, you know, strictly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's is it's it's, it's, it's more police it's, it's more military yeah it's like military it's, police it's, kind of it's tech it's like elite law enforcement yeah I'd yeah. say the only one that, that teeters over into that line which I included on the list um, is Rainbow Six because Rainbow Six is a it's a special counterterrorism unit but it's a multinational one that specifically mm-hmm. recruits elite military operatives yeah so I consider yeah. it a joint military operation basically then, so then I, I, will, I included the franchise yeah. then I then I will only yeah. say this much. When I was in uh, when I was in in college, I was actually the uh, the mo- I was actually an admin on a uh, Counter Strike server um, and played it super super religiously for like most of my freshman sophomore and junior years. <laughs> the Church of Counter Strike. Yep. Back in my day, we did shotguns, have baby. I was I was the shotgun king of the server. But yeah, that was because the shotgun was busted in that game. <laughs> It, yeah. it didn't act like a real shotgun. We'll, we'll put it that way. It was very precise. <laughs> Over in surprisingly long distances. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's one of the uh, that's one of the most recurring uh, themes of um, of factual inaccuracy when it comes to these shooters is like how a shotgun performs in a video game. <laughs> yeah, shotguns. Like they never get shotguns right. Shotguns never work. Either they're too accurate or too damaging. Like. The, the what was it in in Modern Warfare Two was the new was that the noob tube? Uh, yeah, that was one of them. Yeah. Um, 
they have the whole crazy thing in Modern Warfare, uh, or at least Modern Warfare 2, where you would do the shotguns where you would reload, like the swingy reload, like Terminator 2 style, uh, and you would dual wield those, and you would just be insanely untouchable yeah. if you could use them decently. <laughs> yeah. Doing a lever action reload, you mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so you swung the entire weapon down to actuate the arm. Because that totally works, except it doesn't, really. I mean, theoretically, yeah, you could probably do so. You could probably, like, actually set up a, uh, a like, a lever-action shot weapon to do that. But you would, it would have to be designed with that purpose in mind, and most guns aren't, because they, they wouldn't be weighted properly for it. Right. <laughs> That's another random thing that, that comes to mind is uh, when it comes to realism or the, the lack therefore of is uh, how reloading in ammunition is uh, is treated in games. Um, and there's only there's only been a couple <laughs> games I've played over the years where um, if you reload, um, it would like retain the information of like, OK, this magazine has X amount of rounds left. Like in most games, you just reload whenever you want to, no matter how many bullets you've you know, how many rounds you fired. And then you just magically have the same amount of ammunition, uh, no matter you know, how many times you switch. Yeah, the switch the mag is always a full mag. There are yep. a couple of like high, like realism-oriented mods on games and stuff where they actually did that, and I thought that was interesting. Uh, but by and large, it's just, it's just, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, somebody makes a movie version of a book and they change a couple things because the medium demands it, and it's just like for gameplay purposes, it usually doesn't make any sense to have that level yeah. of realism on it. Right. Well, the thing is, is a lot of times. About um, reloading in real life compared to in games is um, now the, there's one that gets it almost almost right, um, and that is um, the Left 4 Dead series, um, where you know most times you're expected you know in military you're expected to be working with a squad, right? So when you run dry, you know you let the rest of your team know you're reloading. reloading. <laughs> right. Exactly, you know. Right. And. And okay, so let me ask this. I mean, in a lot of the, if you guys have done raids with groups, you know, online, how often does that work? But you, you mean, how often do people call out that they're reloading? How often do people do it in a disciplined way? Uh, I, I guess it depends on the level of organization. Um, mm-hmm. Most pickup games, you don't bother to even think about it. But I, I, um, I, I ran with a uh, a clan um, of mm-hmm. gamers called uh, TG Tactical Gamers. And um, a lot of them were people with military experience. And so, like, it was very, like, structured and disciplined and stuff, Mm -hmm. but in a fun way, in, like, in a competitive way, right? So, like, they took it seriously, but not so seriously that you didn't have fun. And that was one of the things that people would do is always utilize voice comms and always utilize it in a way that was reminiscent of reality, where you would have, like call out positions and you would call out when you would you would mention when you're reloading and things like that like and when you were throwing a grenade and it's like you would say the things and you would say them in the official ways because the official ways are the official ways for a reason because they're clearly understood words and phrases and they're as succinct as possible because you're doing it in right. combat yeah right and I, I think that that you know takes one thing that a lot of gamers you know if they're trying for realism the three th- three things an infantryman has to be able to do Shoot, move, and communicate. Right, absolutely. Which I learned from, uh, you know, an infantryman and an MP. So, 
Well, also just the way you the, the way that you um the way that you like the way that you move or approach a map or level or scenario or whatever like that's the interesting mm-hmm. this is what I this is one of the things I find so interesting about this genre is that um this is one of the rare cases I feel where like reality can inform you so well and make you a much better player because if by and large if you go with like actual real life tactics you will be better now there are some exceptions where like guns don't perform how they would in reality and things get all loosey-goosey and weird so you wouldn't imitate actual tactics or strategy because of how the game does it because how the parameters work in the game but by and large like communicating how you move fields of fire like how your squad is set up like um how you enter a mm-hmm. room and how you look around like how you assess threats like all this stuff like 99 percent of this stuff like if you if you do mm-hmm. what like whatever the case is like the military service or the the swat team or whatever the case may be if you if you imitate if you emulate those tactics you will actually be a lot more successful i remember uh playing a uh... Humans versus zombies um, at in college, you know, with the Nerf guns. Um, mm-hmm. And me and a couple other guys. At one point, we were doing a mission which involved going into uh, going into a house, and we're like, okay, well, um, one of our guys was in fact uh, like he was Army ROTC, um, hmm. <laughs> and another one was the son of a cop, I'm sorry. and then. <laughs> what? Army ROTC. I'm sorry. Well, he 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 was he's a great guy. Like he's super fun, mm-hmm. super nice guy. But he was like, okay, well, um, he was like, so um, anybody know how to? You guys know how to clear a room? It's like, and he and he did he knew. The other guy I was with. I can't remember any of their names anymore. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> it was like the son of a cop, and I was like, mm-hmm. so it's like, yeah, you know, I. You, 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 you do this, you look this way, you look, you know, you do this, 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 and this. And it's like, I've watched a lot of TV shows, <laughs> but the three of us made a pretty effective three-man squad of, you know, we had, you know, uh, Mark. Uh, he was, he was the, he was the ROTC guy. Um, he had a riot shield. Like, he had a legitimate riot shield um, that he bought for nerfing. Um, so he was in the front. <laughs> <laughs> with his right with his goddamn like 25 pound riot shield lead with armor yeah <laughs> yeah i remember and they, they added that to counter-strike and it completely changed the game but I mean, it was is it, a different episode it was a yeah it was a 100 legit uh like lexan probably would stop small arms fire riot shield Oh, actually, there's another uh, there's another example I can use though that that is uh, that did make the list, and that's uh, Rainbow Six. Uh, well, Rainbow Six in general. I I never I didn't play mm. the 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 OG Rainbow Six game. Uh, I'm on sure that was involved, but uh, and on PC. Um, but um, I I played a lot of Rainbow Six Vegas and Rainbow Six Vegas Two, and Riot mm-hmm. Shield were a big part of the uh, you know the planning and execution of those um, mm-hmm. those missions. Um, and you know like. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things where it's it's portrayed uh, and utilized differently in, in different games, and you know your mileage may vary. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but yeah, to so just yeah, briefly finish my story. I was the big man in the middle, and then and then the other guy rode drag and and watched our flank, and uh, we did well in that particular mission. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, well, that's one thing I've always I've always liked when I'm playing uh, like role playing games. If I'm with someone who's who is also former military mm-hmm. in a fight, me and that guy, you know, that's that's the guy I want to be next to. 
<laughs> you know, because um, I was Air Force, I was you know I was civilian in uniform. But um, you know, that's that's the thing is, yeah, if you if you imitate, you know, if your art imitates life, then yeah, you're probably going to do pretty good in that. As uh, as some of the uh, some of the fellow military people say uh, lovingly, chair force. Yeah, I hear that run around chair a lot. Force. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's so it's much. It's kind of funny because so they don't laugh at us between the branches. Yeah, I mean that's the thing is though is when you know you, you know you know what a, you know what a uh, what a, an infantryman's uh, favorite uh, favorite Air Force man, uh, guy's name is Bert, <laughs> which the is old, the sound of the gun on the stand. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, yes. It's the sound of it's the sound of an A ten warthog firing. Yeah. yeah yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, actually, it's pretty much any branch: army, navy. That's <laughs> the most audience. iconic example, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Bring in oh, yeah. the uh, bring in the gunships. Bring in air support. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, which you know, that's the other thing about a lot of actual real life modern warfare. There are some cases where. <laughs> You know, they don't, these guys don't see the people they're actually shooting at. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, um, they're basically pouring a lot of fire at a covered position that they think, um, you know, they think, um, you know, gunfire is coming from. Probably um, people there. <laughs> well, well, not well, more, but... <laughs> yeah. the more, the, the more, um, the, the more games, like the more, the more games have um, progressed uh, as far as mm-hmm. like graphic fidelity and um, mm-hmm. like the budget behind the games and stuff like that. The more you see mm-hmm. of that, though, especially in games like um, in Call of Duty and Battlefield, where you have all this like uh, like air like stuff where you're you're flying or gunning in like the airplane or the helicopter, or calling in the airstrike, or you're you're doing a drone thing, or whatever. There is there's a lot of portrayals now of the other stuff that's not just the like ground, relatively close, right. you know, firefight stuff. There's a lot of the other like um, asymmetrical stuff and the stuff where it's like from a long distance, aside from just traditional sniper rifle stuff stuff where you're talking about like drone strikes and like uh like flybys like bombing runs and all this stuff um so yeah yeah uh just kind of depends on the game you're playing but that was actually one of the things i um i enjoyed the most about battlefield 2 which to this day is my favorite battlefield game this is back in this was 2005 um so only a couple years after the first call of duty game is a bit of Mm -hmm. a a bit of a milestone uh the first call of duty game is kind of like the battle of yavin in this in this timeline that we use here <laughs> like everything's mm-hmm, relative right. to it you know yeah, um yeah. that's when the shit really took off but um yeah battlefield 2 is really great and i'm sure you'll appreciate this ben the the game had a chain of command built into it where like you'd have <laughs> the commander of one team and technically the commander uh-huh. was actually did actually have a body on the field just like everyone else but his primary duty was to coordinate his team and do things like use a UAV scan, uh, call in supply drop, call in an airstrike, uh, do all this stuff mm-hmm. and like coordinate and communicate with everyone. But the commander, right. it wasn't just a normal comm system where everyone is just talking, right? You had the commander mm-hmm. who could um, could speak to and send mess text me- and just type um, to mm-hmm. all of the squad leaders. And then the right. squad leaders would then relay the orders to their squad. So there's actually like yeah. a chain of command going on and like Very communication being important. And yeah. um, 
so you had you had the 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 people that were just like you know the the twitch the tw- the twitchy good you know people are just good at the game and good at shooters and just have good reflexes mm-hmm. and then you have people that may you know that may or may not be like that but if they're a good leader and communicator they can be the squad leader and have an effective squad and then they in turn communicate to the commander what they need and i that was my yeah. my favorite thing to do in that game was to be a commander and just like just, just seeing a plan come together was a thing of beauty. Oh yeah, come up with plan a plan come comes together. Oh yeah, I mean, you come up with a strategy, and then you have people that actually listen and execute it. It was like one of those things where the the satisfaction of that experience um, is hard to replicate, yeah. especially because it's, it's all oh, it shared is. with everyone. And it's like, yeah, it was one of those things where you know, like. It, it took coordination, um, but because the game was structured that way, people knew going in that that's what was required of them. So it wasn't mm-hmm. as bad as one would think when you're just playing with a bunch of random people. You know, like often you'd think it's just right. a total clusterfuck. But in that game, like <laughs> since people knew the deal, like everyone, be, I mean, maybe for selfish reasons, but they they worked together. Like, okay, I don't want to have a terrible like kill death ratio, and I don't want to put in all this time and lose. So I'm going to listen to what the people are saying, and I'm going to actually do the thing. Now there are right. pe- there are exceptions, of course, because internet's going to internet but like it was actually really well yeah. and of course there was another one of those situations where you had um you had a lot of flexibility with the servers kind of like counter-strike and stuff where people own their own servers and like ran their own servers and there are all these different like you know rules and mods and stuff so like people could kind of you know self-police where if people are trolling or you know not you know being sad yeah. or whatever they, they would they would lose <laughs> interest quickly and or get banned from the server but that was just one of those right. things i want to throw out there because that was a unique thing where i haven't really seen I've really seen any other games like quite pulled off the way that it uh, that it was in that game, and um, mm-hmm. it was just it was really cool. One of my personal favorite things to do is um, when I would um, <laughs> when I would I would I would come up with a, uh, a strategy, and then you know I, I'm still keeping an eye on it because that's my job as commander. But every once in a while, you know, I'll have some time to actually contribute myself. And so what I would do is I would go to the Spec Ops class that has the C4. And I would go behind enemy lines and plant the C4 on their artillery emplacements and just blow it up and then <laughs> call in the supply drop on myself so that when I inevitably ran out, I would immediately have more. And then I'd be able to blow up all the things at once. <laughs> so that was part of my right. strategy sometimes is I'd have uh, I'd have my team doing various things. And while they're all tied up with my team, I would be doing my own like behind this behind enemy lines Rambo thing where I'm just like, okay, I blow up your UAV station. I blow up both your artillery cans and I blow blown up this other thing. Like I just, cause that's the thing is um, that was part of the strategy is you'd actually have physical things on your side of the map that you had to defend. And if you didn't, then you, the tools in your toolbox aren't, aren't there. You'd have to wait until they're repaired by an engineer or whatever to like call on your artillery strikes again or do another UAV sweeper. So if you weren't careful, right. all your stuff goes bye-bye. And then all of a sudden the other team has a huge advantage. And that's what I would do is, you know, have them do certain things or tie people up. And then meanwhile, I'd blow everything up. And then that would be the, the push that they needed uh, to, to win. So the you'd game. have your awesome. nice. So your party would be your your tanks and your uh, your paladins and your fighters, and then you'd go rogue on them. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like a rogue in there, stealthing in and backstabbing their whole resource, yeah, their whole supply line at once. And or, you know, as the case may be, sometimes I'd I'd have someone else do that. I wouldn't. I wasn't always the guy, but when I was, right. oh man, that was satisfying seeing it all blow up. Right. <laughs> so there's my anecdote yeah. for the episode. Anecdote. 
that by the way the battlefield battlefield franchise has been all over the place uh they started in world war ii but uh bf2 was you know modern era you know like the aughts um just modern conflict mm-hmm. uh you had like a basically, lot of desert warfare uh <laughs> yeah well the, the the factions were uh at least the core factions they, they did some sub sub faction stuff within the expansions but the core game you had uh the usa you had china and you had the mec which is the which was the middle eastern coalition fictional you know Middle Eastern conglomerate of countries. Um, right. But, uh, then you had, you know, you had like Battlefield 2142, where you're, it's futuristic and you got mechs and shit, and there's Battlefield Vietnam, and there's, they have all kinds of different flavors and time periods and stuff. Right. But again, we're trying to stay on Earth. So. Yes. Yeah. 2142 is excluded. <laughs> right. Trying to stay on Earth and maybe keep things semi-realistic because, like, I could bring up Command and Conquer again, but that's not even like. I, it's interesting we're, we're talking about a bunch of military shooters, but military is not exclusive to the shooter genre. It's just that's oh, yeah. where it that's where it shines. Um, there have been RTS, a lot of the main yeah, genres. There have been a lot of really good um, RTS uh, um, military games. Um, if I might make a brief digression to a, to a very old school form of military game, I actually just realized what is in fact in truth the oldest military game I played, which was playing Axis and Allies, the board game, with my siblings. I thought we were just sticking to video games. <laughs> uh, that's just a brief. That's a brief aside. You could also you could also include Risk. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say uh, Risk or Stratego would probably be the first military game I ever played. Or, Those are a little um, more abstract, whereas Axis and Allies is literally set in World right. War II, and right. you're you're stupid if on your first turn as Japan you don't immediately enact Pearl Harbor. Like mm-hmm. it is a bad idea to let the uh, the to let the uh, U.S. Navy that starts in Pearl Harbor survive the first turn. <laughs> <laughs> so with. Um... I mean, if you want to get into that, um, there's also one called, um, I put an entire summer, uh, oh, and I can't remember, it's, uh, now I can't remember the name, it was on the tip of my mind. That was a digression oh. anyway. Yeah. Um, okay, right? Because that's a, that's a reenaction, that's a, no, sorry, it's Cricket that's a reenactment of a, fam- of a famous uh, intergalactic war. <laughs> to go back to, uh, to go back to, uh, Douglas Adams for a second and uh, and Hitchhiker's Guide. Right. Uh, <laughs> to get back uh, to uh, to get back to video games. Um, yeah. It's interesting that we that we tend to pit like I remember being really excited for uh, Battlefield One, uh, mm-hmm. the the new game that came out like a couple years ago because unlike every other modern military shooter that's that that, that has been made in a long time. It was set in World War One. Like no one does World War One because it was mostly trench warfare and was horrendous and be- and probably not very fun. And it turns out that was kind of accurate. Um, yeah, there's really only been a few of them over the years. And of course, even then, the Battlefield One is kind of like a it's like a, a Michael Bayized version of it. Where there it's are like way there were way too many automatic weapons in Battlefield yeah, One. Yeah, they they uh, they they take a lot of creative license for the sake of the gameplay. But uh, I remember there was a there was a mod. I think it was it was like Half Life or one of those games in the late nineties. Uh, there's a World War One. I, I think it was a Half Life mod. There's a World War One uh, mod. But yeah, like that's the that's the problem is like <laughs> the the uh, it becomes the subject matter is inherently 
non-compelling for gameplay mm-hmm. because it's just, hey, people line up on one line and another, and there's a trench, and they shoot mm-hmm. each other, and they run across, and they get shot. Like, that was that's the TLDR version of the war, more or less. Pretty much, like, yeah. And also, yeah. tanks weren't really a thing. Like, they were first, they're just starting to become a thing. So there's, there's a, and right. there weren't really much in the way of air power either, because... You know, air yeah, airplanes in a military bombs. context. Yeah, like that's all you have. So, like by its very nature, there's a huge swath of possibilities that are just excluded from it. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I, I was just excited because it's like, wow, it's not it, it's not Desert Storm or World War Two, which is like every game ever, right? Like, yeah, like, no, I, I love it when <laughs> you know when there's. Yeah, when there's unique stuff and conflicts that aren't visited very much. Actually, there was a, um, there's a, I'm going to keep going back as well because there are about a million Half Life mods. Okay, you guys. <laughs> but, well, it's um, because it was incredibly easy to mod on absolutely. purpose. Um, like they released mod tools for it. And, that was, and it was brilliant. Um, that was very forward thinking of them. But and then um, they could buy all these mods and, and <laughs> release them publicly like Counter-Strike and Day of Defeat and yep. Portal and... And that was even uh, before uh, Steam was a thing. Yeah. Steam was Uh-oh. a thing until 2004. We lost two. Ben again. Right, right. And there now he's is. back again. So anyway, uh, what I was going to say right. there is... You back, Ben? Yeah, I'm back. Okay, the, the sorry, sorry to interrupt time. you, Mike. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember exactly what it was called, but um, it was a Revolutionary War mod. And they had a Civil War one as well. So, like, if you played those games, like, you're talking, you know, you're talking muzzle. <laughs> you're talking, like, black powder, like, oh, reload times out the wazoo. And it was, like, you know, bayonet you, charges for days, all sorts of interesting you, stuff going You on actually reminded me of the very first military video game I played. I had forgotten about this game. I need to look it up again. I, I wonder if it's as good as my memory says. There was a game for the NES called North and South. Oh, yeah. I remember that game. I think I remember. I also remember Genghis Khan from the, the original Nintendo. Genghis Khan. I remember that um, game. And I remember it was a strategic... It, it, it was half strategy game, half, um, half event game. There were like a few mini games that were played inside it. I remember trying to take the train was my favorite... Was like my favorite... Um, was my was my favorite mini game and thing, but I was so young, um, like I just like I only just remembered it existed as a game. So, sorry, like mm-hmm. it was it was interesting because like theoretically you could have the South win the Civil War. Um, apparently, it was released re- 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 released on the NES as well as the ZX Spectrum. Hmm. And yes, I will call it the ZX Spectrum because it was a British computer. <laughs> um, <laughs> I will allow it. <laughs> I don't think the Spectrum ever made it to you, to the United States shores, so I'm not going to call it the ZX. <laughs> ZX, because it's British. Exactly. Also, Commodore 64, DOS, uh, Amstrad, CPC, and the Commodore Amiga. It was it got released a lot more than I was aware of. Huh. Cool. Just as an aside, by the way, I always, I find it amusing that um, there's a trend um, of like games that would then have expansions, and the expansion would always be like, "Hey guys, remember the Brits? Like they were there too." <laughs> They're in this expansion. <laughs> so we added the British to this. Like, it's almost it's almost like World War II is downloadable content, right? It's like okay, so if you you buy this, you have the core allies and axes involved. But 
mm-hmm. if you pay us the extra money, we will add <laughs> these other countries. Like, hey, remember the Italians? Yeah, they were there too, you guys. Or remember, like, the French <laughs> resistance, which well, was, was instrumental in winning the war, but... That was, um, Medal, that was Medal of Honor Underground. Yeah. Uh, I believe, in, and I believe and that was a very uh, rare back in those days. I believe the protagonist was a woman. I believe you were a female um, resistance, uh, French resistance fighter. I don't remember that, but like it was, even though it was the first military shooter I played, I was also like 12. Um, (laughs) So this was, this was more, this was more than a fortnight ago. Um. (laughs) Oh, by the way, um, before I forget, I think uh, it used to be spoiler of the week. Now that we're doing every other week, we should call it spoiler of the fortnight. Uh, Fortnite spoiler. But then people will think that we're talking about uh, the kind of crappy game from Epic Games. I think they'll be able to figure it out. That crossed my mind, too. Let me put it this way. If, if they're mm-hmm. appreciating the conversations that we're having, where we're getting into stuff and being mm-hmm. all surreal, I think, you know, they, they figure they got this. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah. You are correct. Uh, the, the, the protagonist of Medal of Honor Underground was, in fact, a woman. A brunette, if I recall. Very correctly. cool. And in fact, also a female member of the French resistance. So 10 out of yep. 10. <laughs> and there goes Ben again. I can't wait for him to finish moving. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You back again, Ben? Huh? You back again, Ben? Yes, I have returned once more. Since the world is bricks and will be for the foreseeable future, I, I was just telling Mike, um, I really can't wait for you to finish moving. Uh, yeah, neither. Um, <laughs> yeah, we was on uh we close on friday as a matter of fact hooray and then the real work starts yes indeed the move moving is so much fun everybody loves moving especially in the middle of a pandemic oh yeah so looking forward to that uh so what's the most recent military shooter people have played or military game oh god it's been a minute for me mm-hmm I um, can't remember the last time I played an actual military shooter or a military game. Yeah, I haven't really, I haven't really played any regularly recently. Um, like the the closest uh, that it gets is, you know, again we're talking about like futuristic fictional stuff, but mm-hmm. uh, Titanfall Two, I I was into that for a while, but that was mm-hmm. like 2016, so even that's not that recent. Yeah. Um, before that, I, I I played Call of Duty Ghosts. That was like 2013. That was, by the way, one of the most underwhelming titles in the entire franchise. So stay away. <laughs> it's a, a quick single player playthrough for you know for free or for a few bucks. Uh, but aside from that, like avoid it. It's not worth avoid your time. Avoid paying for it if you don't have. To. Oh, I, I was, there's one exception. The level where you get to play as the canine unit and get to tear out people's throats. That's amazing. <laughs> Playing as the dog. Oh yeah, yeah. You get to like get a first person Fido perspective. It's just so satisfying tearing out the throats of these terrorists or whatever. It reminds me of the uh, side mission in Battlefield One where you played as the homing pigeon. <laughs> That's great. Carrying a message um, across the line. <laughs> Uh, the most recent military shooter game I've played actually um, is uh, Modern Warfare 2. Uh, back when I was still in college, actually, my roommate had a, had an Xbox 360, and we played the multiplayer a lot. Oh, gosh, that's 2009. Yeah, that's been a minute. Well, it wasn't 2009. Like, I, it should be pointed out that um, 
it still had a pretty good multiplayer community when we were playing it in 2012. I know. I, I, I think it might have been 2010. Oh, well, the release anyway. Yeah, you yeah. might have been playing it later, but yeah. Yeah, we, we were not playing it on release. Like, uh... <laughs> My, for some reason, I have a steel trap memory for the my years. My third that senior year. Movies come out. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I crammed four years of college into six. My Warfare Two had a lot of really good multiplayer. Uh, it had both competitive and it had that cool like operations co-op mode. Mm-hmm. Play much of that? We just really we just we played a lot of Kill Confirmed. Oh yeah, that was. And, you great. know, it was a lot of fun. I cr- I was crap at it because shooters are not meant to be played with twins with two sticks on a control. Um, but <laughs> yeah, it can be hard to overcome that when you're used to the the mouse keyboard combo. Well, I, I remember I remember Nathan having a poor opinion of my ability to play shooters until I was like, okay, no, just come in here. I'm just gonna play a little bit of Counter Strike on my PC, and you can see why I'm complaining. <laughs> Constantly about the controls. Kill confirm is a perfect, uh, perfect game type to play with the buddy because that was the whole conceit was that you kill somebody and then they leave a little dog tag thing and yep. you didn't get the kill unless you ran over and touched the dog tag. Well, well at least someone did. Yeah. Yeah, someone did. It doesn't have to be you. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, we 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 played the crap out of that. Um, aside from that, um, I kind of I kind of got sick of military shooters. Um, there's a game I've been meaning to check out, and I want to give a call out for people, and that is a game called Spec Ops: The Line. Yeah, that was on my list as well. Um, which you can buy right now on Steam as of the time of recording, uh, July the eighth at ten forty-five p.m. Eastern or Central Time. Um, well, that sale ends tomorrow, so eighty percent off. Uh, that sale ends tomorrow. Okay. Yep. Well. Yeah. Well, sorry, everybody. Yeah. Should have bought it when it was on sale when we were recording. <laughs> Summer sales a thing, but yeah, it's it's more or le- it's more or less uh, Heart of Darkness, but in a video game. That's uh, yeah. They, in fact, they were trying to make Heart of Darkness but as a video <laughs> yeah. game. They were very transparent also, about that. Also, I apparently own three of the games in the Sniper Elite franchise because I got them in a bundle at some point, but I've not played them. Not to be confused with uh, Apocalypse Now, which is Heart of Darkness in movie form. Yep. <laughs> I apparently own, yeah, Sniper Ghost Warrior 2, um, and I can't remember why I got it. Hey, Ben's back. <laughs> in and out and in and out. Come on, make up your mind, Ben. Jeez. Well, it's not my mind that needs making up. It's my internet. <laughs> well, that's a good segue mentioning ghosts because there's the Ghost Recon franchise to address, mm-hmm. which um, is one of those franchises that has, that has changed uh, significantly. Throughout its uh, throughout its history, kind of like Rainbow Six, mm-hmm. um, which generally it's the same trajectory. Like the first game is a lot like more tactical and um, more deliberately paced and less arcadey. And mm-hmm. as a general rule, as time goes on, the games become uh, more like fast paced and more arcadey. Um, I feel like Rainbow Six Vegas was a good blend of the two, where it was like immediate, but it also like the 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 planning, the strategy that like that actually um, had good dividends. 
but yeah, Ghost Recon, the original Ghost Recon was first person and it was very, um, it was very unforgiving as far as like, if you get shot, you're dead, like almost every single time. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and it was a lot more deliberate. Um, but as the game, as the game went on, most of the sequels became more like third person games and it was still like, it was still somewhat realistic and you still had to like approach things smartly, but it wasn't as intense as the first one. And actually, I remember the, the very first one in that franchise was a really fun game, um, to play with a buddy again this is um so like i cannot imagine playing the game on a controller that that's just a travesty to me get the original ghost recon was meant to be played with mask keyboard <laughs> but um it was great because you mm-hmm. had these missions all shooters and, are meant to be played with with uh, with mouse and keyboard whether you realize it or not especially so it had, it had the missions where um like the original rainbow six game you would have you get to see like the mission like map and briefing and stuff and you had a planning phase and then you would go in there, and when you were doing it with a buddy, it was so much more fun because you could coordinate in real time, and you could have you could you could count on your friend a lot more than you could count on the AI to like hold up their end of the plan. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's a lot of interesting games right. there, and also another thing too um, is that um, a more recent game, Ghost Recon Wildlands, that's um, more of a more of an open-ended sandboxy kind of game. And that's another thing you've seen with some of the some of the franchises or iterations is you'd have some games that are very linear and some that are sandboxy and some that are in between. Like some games we haven't touched on yet are the, the Arma franchise. And um, there's another one, I think it was, uh, I can't remember the exact name. It was like Operation, oh God, I can't remember it, but it was like, a, it was a Cold War shooter game. And it was mm-hmm. a lot more like deliberate and um, realistic and like massive, like, um, in-game space where like you would be on like just a giant amount of land or an island or something. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, you saw you saw the scale with games like Battlefield, but those were still just a large map where it wasn't like a consistent world type thing. So yeah. there's been a lot of different types uh, of it. It's just that just like with a lot of stuff, the the things that are more like accessible and popular and trendy um, get the lion's share of the attention and the sales kind of like, you know, with movies and TV shows as well a lot of the time. So, you know, sometimes <clears throat> sometimes you have to kind of look around a bit for the games that are uh, that are unique um, or have, yeah. like, you know, a setting or conflict that's not visited as much, like we talked about with, like, mm-hmm. World War One or Vietnam or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And now, oh. Vietnam, there's a bit of an asterisk because there is a lot of, uh, there's a lot of games that would be set in Vietnam, but they would tend to be, like, shitty throwaway games and, like, they weren't good games and they didn't take mm-hmm. the subject matter seriously and everyone forgot about them because they weren't memorable. <laughs> right, so I will ca- the caveat will be quality games that were set in Vietnam. Not many of them. Right. Yeah. Well, and because <clears throat> I mean, the only games that I remember uh, that were, you know, set in Vietnam that were in any way well done are role playing games. So, you know. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, Call of Duty Black Ops um, actually had a lot of... That was a Vietnam era. I mean, it went back and forth a bit on the timeline, but that game actually did a lot of Vietnam War era stuff and was still um, a lot of fun and interesting. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, by and large, there, there's a lot of shovelware that is um, their, their Vietnam War-themed <laughs> games. Right. Uh, that's another thing, too, is like um, some of it, and of course this is unavoidable, is um, when you talk about... Um, military games and like conflicts that actually took place there's always a geopolitical element to it 
mm-hmm. and a mm-hmm. potential censorship element. Uh, and you yeah. see that a lot with like, um, especially in in, uh, in other countries that do not have a First Amendment. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. You see in places like Russia, um, there are games that are like either heavily censored or banned because God forbid you actually show that Soviet atrocities happened and were a thing and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And, you know, a lot of the mm-hmm. stuff runs counter to the narrative of whatever nationalistic thing is going on. Uh, I remember Ghost Re- there's a Ghost Recon game that was banned in North Korea. A lot of things are banned in North Korea. I mean, you know, that's every five minutes something's banned. But it is one of those things right. where it's like, oh, the North Koreans are like the opposing force, the antagonist of the game, the story, whatever. So like, oh, this is this is an insult to the great to great leader. So we won't let this game in our shores and stuff like that. It's, um, it's actually worth mentioning that um, you'll that Wolfenstein Youngblood is actually one of the first Wolfenstein games to be released uncensored in Germany. Interesting. Um, because Germany has this whole thing about um, they're really ashamed of having been Nazis, um, which, you know, good. It's, it's good to be ashamed of being a Nazi. Um, but as a result, like, depiction, they, they don't particularly allow depictions of Nazi imagery right. in Germany. Um, well, I think there's there's a sort of perverse irony to that because mm-hmm. then people, when you get people that are like, when you, you get into the realm of like Holocaust deniers and, and like mm-hmm. stuff like that, like well, the they don't deny it. They just don't let they just don't let anything that could even be potentially be seen as 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 anything that could be yay yeah, Nazi. No, that, that's not Show what I'm saying Yeah. Um, no, that that's not what I'm saying at all. Um, mm-hmm. What what I was beginning to say there was. When you, when you, what I was going to say is, whenever you can't have like an open portrayal and discussion of events like that, then mm-hmm. it is a lot easier for people who want to, you know, deny things or distort things or conveniently ignore things to do so. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a very, yeah, there's there's a perverse irony in, um, mm-hmm. you know, having a. I would argue personally a fascist a fascistic approach to it where you just ban things and things are against the law and people can be fined or put in jail if they do the thing which is just saying a thing or creating a piece of art or whatever like a video game or mm-hmm. uh, or whatever it is that has any kind of portrayal of uh, Nazis or whatever even though it's almost right. uniformly always just hey those are the bad guys let's go kill the Nazis like it's they still don't allow it Nazis yeah yeah so it's you know I just personally I find that to be missing the point and I appreciate the uh, I appreciate the sentiment of where it comes from, but like you know, um, you know that, that was a hallmark of the Third Reich was uh, burning thing, burning books, and like controlling the narrative and all the misinformation and propaganda and stuff. So like, mm-hmm. I feel like that's a very ironic thing that Germany does to this day. Well, anyhow, it was just I just thought it was interesting you were talking about censorship and such, and like, well, they it's actually one of the few games that like hasn't had to have. Like, apparently, uh, in Wolfenstein, the new Colossus, they shaved Hitler's mustache and turned all the, uh, and turned all the swastikas into triangles. Very fascist looking triangles. Like it, you couldn't really confuse the, 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 uh, the stand-in swastikas for anything other than stand-ins for a swastika. Uh, (laughs) Well, that's the other thing that's silly about it. It's about, it's about as convincing as yippee Kaye, Mr. Falcon, right? (laughs) It's like we all know what's being said here, folks. Come on. <laughs> right, right. So, but I, anyway, that was a very long uh, departure to get back to the original thing, which was to say that using uh, the, uh, there, 
there weren't a lot of uh, Vietnam games, I think, because it was because it's uh, touchy subject matter. Yeah. And uh, I can understand that. Actually, yeah. there's another there's another good um, example of controversy of and this is this is see that some of the stuff gets very meta and surreal because mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, there there are some video games where they portray conflicts that are currently happening, which is just fucking weird. Right. Like mm-hmm. um, I remember um, in, uh, in the, the Half-Life 2 mod insurgency was a thing, which was, you know, Operation Iraqi Freedom post-war war you know counter insurgency operations and stuff like that was a conflict that was going on at the time and in one of the more recent metal yeah, games, going on taking, since 2003 <laughs> well, well a, afghanistan has it beat uh and this was another example because um you know yeah. we're now it's winding down like you know knock on wood with these negotiations going on and stuff but like 2001 is when military operations in Afghanistan began. And mm-hmm. I remember Medal of Honor, I, I want to say it was the game that it came out in like, I don't know, 2014 or some 2016, something like that. It was like sometime between 2010. Actually, it might have been like 2012. Anyway, point is sometime between 2010 and 2015, the Medal of Honor game came out in the multiplayer. And like the, uh, the game, part of the game took place, or most of the game, I didn't actually play a single player, but it took place in Afghanistan, and there were like tier one spe- special operators doing missions in Afghanistan. So in the multiplayer, you have the you have the Americans or like the American spec ops team or whatever it is, some American side, and then you had the Taliban. And there's this huge controversy at the times, like, oh my god, like people are people are playing the Taliban in an online multiplayer game as actual American soldiers are fighting the Taliban in real yeah. life, which is like one of the most fucking gonzo surreal things I can possibly yeah. imagine, right? Um, that right. was well, yeah, and the, and the sad thing is, you know, it, it made it made CNN at one point, by the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This was the 2010 yeah. uh, Medal of Honor game called oh, Medal wow. of Honor. Wow, is it even older than I realized? Yeah, 2010. Mm-hmm. But still, like, I mean, that was like nine years in. <laughs> right, nine <laughs> it's, years. Yeah, exactly. It's a weird thing. Exactly, and and the thing is that yeah, I'd say, and I think it's the longest single. We're talking about the longest single combat action, you know, that we've been involved in. You know, oh, Vietnam didn't yeah. even last this long. <laughs> you know, I mean, um, I mean, it it was it was a while. It was a minute. So. Oh, yeah, it still is a minute at this point. Well, guys, my internet's starting to drop. Right. I think yeah. we're kind of starting to run out my of things to say, to too. So I, I, Do you have much more? Because okay. I'm out of things to talk so, about. But yeah, Do you have anything? Uh, Go ahead, Ben. Go ahead, Ben. I was just say, uh, you know, this, like we were talking about, though, I think you know, this is hard to imitate, you know, unfortunately, that it has that to imitate. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's, that's uh, a... <laughs> you know, and, and though, these are things that I think there's... A from these, you know, these games. So mm-hmm. that'll be interesting. What process? Well, it's an interesting needle that is being thread. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Well, it's 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 interesting. You gotta. You, you're right because you, there's you can learn from it, but you could also potentially like make people like America's Army is a thing. Um, the video game made to it to recruit um, people to the army. Um, yeah, that was on my list. Yeah, that was one of uh, you know it's uh, for obvious reasons uh, yep. a very realistic um, <laughs> as yep. as games can be a realistic shooter. Um, no, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Reminded of a of a fake ad I saw for uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare Three. Uh, it comes with its own custom um, Browning assault uh, BAR uh, 
It was a B. I think it was a like it was some sort of heavy weapon. Um, um, and and full military pack. And mm-hmm. the the game consists of you needing to hold the, the the weapon upright at attention for three to four hours at a time while not doing anything else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to the hurry up and wait expansion. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I would say um, if we if we could pinpoint one thing uh, across well, all the various games you that was mm-hmm. the least realistic, it would be the fact that it cuts out all of the monotony and tedium of military life where you just stand somewhere or sit somewhere or whatever for hours on end doing nothing mm-hmm. and you bored out of your fucking... Yeah, right. Watching for the enemy, waiting for the enemy. Mm-hmm. Or just have carry 50 pounds, yeah. of, you know, 50 pounds of gear in your, in your hand. So. Yeah, and, and really needing to remain... Like you need, like you can't allow yourself to become complacent either, because if you do, um, you know that that that's when you get killed, or when you get other people killed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I or, have you know, having to learn, yeah, having to learn, you know, what certain mm-hmm. things mean in other languages. Mm-hmm. So you know. <laughs> right. I don't have much else to to con- like. I actually haven't played much in terms of military shooters, except for the ones I've already mentioned. My my experience is sparse. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought we'd be able to plummet this, uh, this topic pretty well. And I think we have, do we have much more to add? Any of you gentlemen, Mike, you seem to have more things on a list. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I got, you know, plenty of things on the old list, but, um, we've touched on pretty much Mm -hmm. all the significant stuff, I think for the most part, um, the, uh, other franchises, um, didn't really get mentioned. There's uh, Company of Heroes is a really good uh, World War II RTS. Oh yeah, uh, Company of Heroes. It's had a couple of sequels, um, ex- expansions throughout its uh, throughout the franchise. Um, uh, Sudden Strike, I think that was that's another uh, top-down RTS uh, World War II themed thing, or at least the original game was. Um, Delta Force is a franchise I didn't play at all, but I hear the games are pretty good for its day. Um, uh, those I think they're old enough they probably don't age particularly well but um like i said arm is a thing haven't really played those either um <laughs> there's uh you already mentioned spec ops the line we touched on the ghost recon franchise um the um i've forgotten see. about company of heroes that's a good game yeah it's a lot of fun there's a there's an rts I, i'm not sure what the acronym stars for uh uh stands for but it's called ruse r-u-s-e like the word ruse but it apparently stands for a thing because it has uh, periods next to each one it's, it sounds like one of those contrived things like shield or something you know um but uh, i heard good things about that and um that was one of those games that was uh, pretty successful but you know i mentioned earlier about how um sometimes you gotta have you have to kind of look for the games that do things a little differently Mm-hmm. And that was an art. That was a military RTS um, that had like unique um, approaches and like gameplay. So if somebody's in the mood for an RTS or specifically a, uh, you know, like a uh, like a re- realistic or semi-realistic military RTS uh, specifically, I uh, should check check that out because um, it's not nearly as formulaic as a lot of the other ones. When you look at games like maybe Command and Conquer or you know. Um, Oh, I don't know, Age of Empires, whatever stuff that's you know, because there's there's a lot of iterative stuff, you know, um, where it's all kind of like, hey, here's your basic, here's the order in which you build, the, mm-hmm. you know, the structures and the units, and you have your paper rocks or matches, and a lot of it can be very cookie cutter, but uh, Ruse had some interesting um, gameplay meat to it, so 
check that out if you want to try something a little different. Aside from that, Mm -hmm. don't really have a whole lot of uh, specific game stuff to cover. Um, Mm -hmm. We touched on a lot of this stuff as far as like, you know, accuracy, Mm -hmm. realism, uh, how politics can tie into whether games get released or the content within them and stuff like that. And now there's plenty of more stuff we can touch on in a future episode potentially, but I think we covered the main, uh, the main themes here. I would uh, briefly just want to mention um, if you really want a very, very atypical, um, um, uh, our uh, world war two RTS. I can uh, I I was ju- I I was just reminded while you were talking of the uh, Hearts of Iron games, um, which is tank command, which is tank battalion command. Uh, ah. It's a it is a it is a turn based strategy game, a, ser- a series of, of strategy games. Ah, okay. Um, it's one of those games where I hope you like spreadsheets. <laughs> yeah. um, well, I like turn based, but I'm not a big spreadsheet fan. <laughs> Um, but it, it's one of those games. It's really it, like it's it's worth it's worth checking out if you like that sort of thing. But if you don't, you probably won't. Oh, that's other one quick thing I would touch on too is that um, a lot of the stuff like we talked about, a lot of it is like first person shooter stuff. Um, but um, there are like you know there there's so many different subgenres and niches and stuff. And if mm-hmm. uh, you know you might not be um, you might not be a big shooter fan, you might not have the, the twitch reflexes or whatever to be good at those types of games. Um, a lot of people may be interested in in like specific vehicles or whatever or like hardware or be you know like just fascinated with that stuff. There's all kinds of simulators and games. They're dedicated to like just these tanks or just these planes or like whatever. Like there's, there's all sorts of stuff that goes from, uh, from the arcadey to the very, very uh, realistic and everything in between. So for a more arcadey thing, specifically multiplayer, you could play a game like World of Tanks or World of Warships or something. And there's all kinds of simulators that involve tanks and airplanes and jets and ships and stuff. So if you're if you're just fascinated by like specific vehicles or whatever, um, you can get into that without necessarily being like you know good at a shooter. You know, <laughs> right? Trying to find, I, yeah, I, I just can't, can't. I remember. Extra Credits mentioned a game in one of their games you might not have tried or even heard of uh, games, which was, here, go ahead and try to win World War One, hmm. um, And it was a very, like, it was a plot, like, because you had, it was a, it was a grand strategy game and was like a turn-based grand strategy game where it's like, yeah, you need to consider, like, supply lines and... Uh, <laughs> And, th- and and it was another game of I really hope you like reading. Yeah. Um, yeah. And looking crap up. Yes. <laughs> right. It's a fine. It's a fine yeah. line between video game and like, you know, f- like fantasy league, but war. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> or it's like fantasy league, World War One, right. instead of fantasy yeah. league football or whatever. And I can't find the right. game at this point. It was Panzer Corps. Diplomacy is the board game I was mentioning earlier. That is turn-based and no dice yeah diplomacy i would love to get in a game of, of, on Diplo- of diplomacy at some point my my brother ethan has uh played it a lot um and yeah, we you know part of the show brother ethan um and confirmed lover of spreadsheets i mean he's a librarian what do you want <laughs> <laughs> well and i don't think any other game you know to me captures the the actual spirit of warfare like uh in you know, the first Call of Duty when you are uh, playing a Russian soldier and 
you start off with a clip of ammunition for a Mosin again. No gun. You just wait for somebody around you to die so you can pick it up and hope you survive and, that one. This, and, and it should be pointed out that he is using clip correctly. The Mosin Nagant actually was a clip-fed weapon, not a magazine. Yeah, I was going to say, this is one of the <laughs> rare instances where you will hear him say clip because it was actually a clip and not a magazine. <laughs> Ben owns a Mosin, so... Um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I actually own a Mosin. I fired that thing. It's a classic <laughs> example of, uh, of a gun where, like, you buy the rifle itself, and it's like, you know, you're finding them at the at the, at the the bottom of a box of tricks, but if you want to buy the ammo for it, it's going to cost you. Yeah. Like, for some reason, the rifles are dirt cheap, but the ammunition is... Well, I shouldn't say for some reason. We know why. It's, it's a very specific kind that's not used for most else. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, the 7.6 by 5.4 R uh, ammo is very old, but you know you can buy big old thousand round tins of that shit. <laughs> Military surplus. <laughs> yeah, Russian ammo actually, if you know where to look for it, it gets really effing cheap. In Soviet Union, ammunition buys you. <laughs> right. <laughs> In Soviet Russia. Yeah. All right, well, we made our Yakov reference, so I feel like yeah. uh, I feel like we're ending yeah, on high note kind of, here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like and on a bang. Soviet community. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, on a bang. We're talking right now. Celebrate yeah. with a nice glass of Smirnoff. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, you know the guy's way like way smarter than his act makes him look. Like, oh yeah. You know, like like. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. Well, you know, he's he's got he he teaches he teaches business and marketing at uh, at Missouri State University from time to time, and apparently his classes are one actually still super funny. You like he doesn't turn off the comedy, but two also some of the damned hardest classes you can take at that school. Um, it's like Dolph Lundgren yeah. all over again. Yeah. Um. Or like right. Larry the Cable Guy. Um, yeah. Who is also surprisingly intelligent and erudite. Um, not that you'd know it from his persona. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it makes sense that an, you know, an, an intelligent person has a persona that makes them buttloads of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so I think we've kind of covered the, uh, you know, and, you know, found out that war does never change. It's true. We didn't even, I, I, I at some point we can met, we can do an episode on future war and talk about, Warhammer Post-apocalypse. and Doom and it'll be like Halo. War, war, in fact, does change <laughs> because <laughs> now we got lasers. Technology and shit. changes, lasers yeah. and pew pew and shit. So it's uh, yeah, it's well, it's uh, what, what's what's the probably apocryphal uh, quote of, uh, um, associated with Albert Einstein? I do not know with what with what weapons uh, World War Three will be World fought, War but World War Four will be fought with sticks and stones. Which is really a depressing uh, right. quote if you think about it for well, there, more than half, half a there's, second. There's several quotes. Like, <laughs> actually, that was a thing in Call of Duty, the original Call of Duty game. When you died, you would you would have a quote come up, and it. What yes. I think that was one of them. And there's another that quote was that was. There's another quote that was good. Um, and it was I, I don't know if it was Nietzsche or who it was, but it was only the dead have seen the end of war. War. I think that's that may actually be Churchill. Possibly. I'm sure that was, one was, you know, sure several yeah. people have uttered that one, but a lot of things get yeah. misattributed, so who knows. Plato. Hmm. Plato, there you go. Um, yeah. At least it's Case been attributed point. to Plato at more than one, at, at, uh, in more than one uh, case. I'm, I'm double-checking here. Yeah. Uh, there's the fact check. Apparently, no, it did not appear in any of Plato's writings. I apologize. Um but it has been attributed to him on more than one occasion. Um, MacArthur apparently 
said that Plato said it during a 1962 address to West Point cadets. Ah, okay. So General Douglas R. MacArthur misattributed it to someone. <laughs> we're we're going to get into a uh, misattributeception pretty quickly here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Well, uh, this has been Neil. The one true Ben. And his crappy internet. And Mike. And uh, we will talk to you again next time on Geek Fanthology. Good night, internet. This podcast is a production of Working Theory Productions. It was brought to you by the letter E and the number 2.71828182854904523536 etc etc and if you don't get that joke look it up. Opening theme is March of the Mind and opening I'm sorry opening theme is Ultra Mega Hyperstorm and ending theme is March of the Mind both by Kevin McLeod. If you enjoyed this podcast or know someone who would, please consider sharing it on your social media, sending us an email, leaving us a comment, liking, subscribing, following, rating, all those other things that help build the algorithm and make sure that people see that it's a thing. If you really enjoyed this podcast, please consider making a donation, either a one-time donation on our website, through PayPal, or a reoccurring one on uh, our Patreon at patreon.com slash working theory. A final thought. You know, I haven't actually played too many war shooters. Maybe I should get on that.